So I've been living here in Japan now for only three weeks, but already my bank account is nearly depleted. Japan, as it turns out, is a very expensive country, and if you're serious about living here, the first thing that you need to do is get a job. Hello,、um, my name is Julian Clancy. I received a call. Yes, Yamaduchi, is it? Hello, I'm on the hunt for a job, ideally one teaching English. The problem is, I've arrived here in Japan in the middle of the school term, so not many schools are accepting applications. I have very little experience, and I'm also still struggling with basic Japanese. At one o'clock. Okay. With the help of my girlfriend Ifa, I've applied for ten different teaching jobs here in Kobe, but only one has gotten back to me. The only problem is, we can't figure out which one. It looks like I've got an interview tomorrow. An interview. What's the answer? I've no idea <laughs> because we still can't figure out which one is he from, and his English is just a little bit off. But I know it's a job, so I just have to get the train there tomorrow. This is an example of one of the biggest hurdles for any newcomer to Japan: the language. The thing that really made life difficult was the lack of independence. So, for example, you go to a restaurant and you look at a menu and you don't understand what it's saying because you don't read the language. Not knowing directions to places, not even knowing your own address, not even being able to write your own address. So, this kind of lack of independence—it's just in Ireland you have the means by which to find out what's going on and to take yourself along, and to not feel like a complete idiot anywhere you go. Hold <laughs> the door open. If you've ever been to a Japanese home, you'll know that it's customary to leave your shoes at the door. Wait for me.、Oh. Which is a complete and utter pain if you have to leave your house in a hurry. Okay, let's go check this out.、Oh. So what's happening here is myself and Eva were just about to sit down for dinner when, from outside, it suddenly sounded like a full-scale riot had just erupted. Where's it coming from? I think we go up on、um, there straight ahead of us and turn left. My sleepy neighborhood of Shinohara Kitamachi is usually really quiet, so it comes as a bit of a shock when we hear what sounds like a huge parade winding its way up our hill. And then we see it. <gasps> oh my God! Before us is a small army of children, hauling up something big on wheels from the bottom of the hill. Wow! Look, it goes to float. This was probably describe what exactly it is that we've just seen. Just as it slowly disappears ahead of us, it's like an old carriage or like a wagon with wooden wheels. But it's about two stories tall, and it's totally lit up with all these gorgeous, beautiful paper lanterns. The maddest thing is, is you can hear the sounds of the guys. They're actually up on top of the roof of this little carriage, waving little banners and flags. And, and inside the actual carriage is where you have the guys and the drums and the bells. It looks like it literally was dragged from the last century. Hey, on on name what Nandaska? Kuruma Danjiri. 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 According to one of her neighbors, this is called a Danjiri. It's like a mobile Shinto shrine. Shinto, of course, being one of the main religions here in Japan. 
Each neighbourhood has a Dan Jury, which traditionally was brought out at the end of harvest. The locals line both sides of the streets to pay respect to the mysterious Shinto spirits, or Kami, who live inside. Shinto shrines are probably one of the most striking things about Japan, mostly because they're everywhere. Okay, so we're here in incredibly bright orange-coloured shrine. There is a kind of large chest which people throw money into. There you go. And then just basically offer up a prayer for good fortune or for health or for happiness. But the most amazing thing is that next door to this, just in front of me, there's a wedding party happening, which is open to viewing to the public. And it's the most amazing elaborate costumes that you can imagine very old-fashioned traditional kimonos with these giant, almost like satchels, purses on the backs of all the ladies and the fabrics and the costumes. Here comes the bride now in the most incredibly vivid colours. It's just after emerging from the central shrine. And the costumes are so incredible. While it's very beautiful to watch, the Shinto wedding is very formal. Which is why these days, Christian or Western style weddings are becoming much more popular. Here's Tara Uchi-san, one of my Japanese friends, talking about the most important day in his life. Okay, so tell me about the day you got married. Uh, at that time, the, my wife uh, hoped that a wedding ceremony should be a Western style. So that the, at the hotel where I had a ceremony, I had a ceremony uh, recommend a priest. At that time, I believed that uh, the priest was a real priest. But uh, several days later, the, I heard uh, the priest was a fake priest. <laughs> but uh, I didn't care about that. <laughs> Weddings are big business here in Japan, with a reported 90% of all ceremonies adopting a Christian-style wedding, despite the fact that less than 2% of Japan's population are Christian. Unlike in Ireland, where you choose the one faith and stick with it, Japanese people pick and choose different elements of different religions for different times of their lives. Uh, sometimes Japanese people are Christian when they uh, get married. Sometimes we are Shinto. Yeah, it's just a Westerner or a European or fake priest looks good. <laughs> <laughs> In Japan, it's not unusual for Westerners to work as fake priests at the weekends. Well, I'm an Irish Catholic and it's, you know, I think I'll burn in hell for it kind of thing was my initial thing. But then I didn't see anything wrong with it in the end. It's a case of when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. Daddy! Did you get your bag, Karo? It's under the car. Okay, I'm going to get it now. Get this fast. 
It's raining and there's supposedly a typhoon on the way the day that I go to visit Mark Donlan and his kids in Yamamoto. Mark teaches English at a local university. He has a wife and three children and has just moved into his brand new two-story house. Place is a bit of a mess. Too, too messy to show a Japanese person, but you're Irish, so... I'm Panama. But I haven't come here to admire his 12-foot ceilings, as impressive as they are. I've come here to see something else. Right. You have to bless yourself now before you see this. Yes, sir. Uh, OK, I bless me father for where I've sent. That's the back. Wow. Look at this. This. Purple long robe, it's all white and it's gorgeous cross. You could, pro- you want to try it on? I wouldn't mind. The <laughs> My mother actually, uh, on one stage, she thought I was going to be a priest. So, I think I could probably send her up this picture and she'd right. make her day. You got a, you got a camera? Yep. I knew that it was a good-paying job, but I always kind of dismissed it as kind of a bit dodgy. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't until the school he was working for went out of business that he first contemplated taking up a job as a fake priest. A Christian wedding celebrant. Christian wedding celebrant. Tanaka Tauro Santo Nakata Keiko Santo no Kekon Shikyo Okunaimas. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to join Tauro and Keiko in uh, holy matrimony. The groom will now enter. Please, everybody, face the door. Would you have been a, a, a pretty religious guy before this? or No, but I do have some faith. You are a Christian. You're performing a, a ceremony. You're saying some prayers. The Japanese know about it. They enjoy it. Some of the couples get a lot out of it. They're interested in what you're saying. You know, they ask you about the Bible and they ask you about this and that. Uh, some of the pu- couples are very superficial, they don't get anything out of it in the spiritual or religious sense and that's fine too I had a bride one time, she walked in they had no intention of having kids but they were dog people, she said I want to enter the chapel with my dogs What, she like, as in the dogs technically gave her away? or? Uh, I think so <laughs> So what happened when, it, when she was entering she had two dogs in each arm and beside the pews there was all these vases that were a metre high with flowers. They started knocking over all the vases. So I'm just, OK. I could have predicted this an hour ago. The next day, I venture into the city of Osaka, wearing my whitest shirt and my fanciest tie. I'm armed with copies of my college degree, a teaching cert, and high hopes of securing my very first job here in Japan. The interview, however is straight and to the point. Okay, so just came out of the interview there and a very nice man. Uh, Nothing really came out of it. Um, They're going to basically keep my name on record because none of the jobs will be taking place until March or April, but it's basically uh, an assistant uh, school teacher. Salary isn't too great and also there's problems with the visa. So we'll just keep at it. Getting a job as a teacher is difficult here in Japan. If you're serious about it and you're lucky enough to be chosen, you can apply for a teaching position through the JET scheme. Every year, around 30 Irish teachers are carefully selected and sent to schools throughout Japan. The job's well paid and the scheme helps with your visa, your flights, accommodation and even learning Japanese. 
The only downside is that ultimately you've no idea where you'll end up. And now you put all these items inside it. Bernice Dempsey is an English teacher originally from Carlo, but she now lives in a remote city called Matsue. It's a picturesque city filled with old samurai houses, ancient temples, and a very dramatic castle, which is where I meet Bernice. As we take shelter from the midday sun in a Japanese tea room, I also learned that Matsue is also very famous for its tea. Just think of it as a light soup as you're drinking. Although it's not like any I've ever had. <coughs> mm. When Matsue employs coordinator for international relations from the JET program, they always request an Irish CIR. So before me, I'm the seventh Irish CIR here in Matsue. There is a lot of different aspects to the job. Like we have to do translations or interpretation. We do school visits to teach about our, the culture or about our own country. The general response about Ireland is after the is it cold? Is Enya river dance? Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Or else the Lafcadio horn. Patrick Lafcadie O'Hearn is probably the most famous Irishman here in Japan, although his origins are actually Greek-Irish. When he moved here in 1891, he became fascinated with Japanese culture and he quickly began collecting local tales of ghosts, goblins and ghouls. Despite only living here for 15 months, Hearn is the main reason why teachers from Ireland are invited here to Matsue. And when they arrive, it's big news. We started by going to make our introduction to all, say, the section heads and that. And you go to the mayor and the TV crew was there and everything. I didn't realise they were coming. What? Yeah, it was That's on crazy. the... It was... Wow. We did it in the morning and it was on, like, the news at lunchtime. <laughs> I was looking, I was like, oh, crap. So breaking news, Bernie Stemsey starts her first day. Wow, but I mean, It is big news, yeah. I mean, for a place like this. It's so, this I think it was about two weeks in and I was trying to buy a bus ticket. So I walk up to the counter all red-faced and flustered and I say, Ega wa owarimasuka. Is the film over? What I wanted to say was, Ego wa owarimasuka. I get you now. Back when I was 13, I was really into arcade games, and my favourite one of all was Street Fighter 2. I wasn't any good at Street Fighter. In fact, I was actually pretty bad. I could never pull off any of those special moves like Ryu's Dragon Punch or Guile's Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom! The only character I was any good with was Honda, the huge sumo wrestler from Japan. Honda wasn't exactly the fastest of all the fighters. In fact, he was actually kind of slow and would scuttle across the screen from side to side like some kind of big flabby man crab. But Honda did have one move that even I could pull off. The impressive sounding 100 hand slap. It's one of my earliest images of Japan and I've been fascinated by sumo ever since. 
Now, I've come to the prefectural gymnasium hall in the city of Osaka to witness that hundred hand slap in action again. Except this time, it's for real. Oh, my Lord, they are slapping me. Oh, my God. Sumo is an extremely violent sport. Apart from eye gouging, punching and pulling off the mawashi, which are the big belts that the wrestlers wear, it's pretty much anything goes. The aim is to either push your opponent out of the ring or down onto the ground, both of which look really painful. The fights themselves are incredibly violent and incredibly fast, with fights usually lasting no longer than a few seconds. Ten seconds, I think that one was. What I found most interesting, however, is that despite sumo being steeped in Japanese tradition and culture, the sport is really open to foreigners. I never broke a bone in my life till I started sumo. I've broken a lot since. Originally from Roscommon, but now living in Tokyo, John Gunning has been practicing sumo for the last six years. In that time, he's nearly doubled his weight. He's represented Ireland at the World Sumo Championships, and more recently, when I met him, he just lost two toenails during his last training session. So, how did a Roscommon man, who only weighed nine stone when he started, end up becoming a Japanese sumo wrestler? I always, I had liked sumo. I'd seen it on TV and I'd been to watch it live and I just wanted to give it a go, basically, just to see what it was like one time. So I contacted the club that I'm in now and they invited me to come along and watch one weekend. And uh, I thought, I, I've done drunken sumo in Ireland in university and on concrete, you know, I'm much harder than these guys. So I asked them if I could try it the next week and they said, yeah. And I came back the next week and... I started doing the training, the training alone before the fights, it's fairly intense, you know, the, the shiko, the leg stomps, you do a hundred of those and you're, every muscle is shaking, you know, all your leg muscles are shaking and you do a thing called suriyashi where you slide your, you, you get down into a crouch with your legs wider than your shoulders and you slide your feet around the ring and you're exhausted before you fight. So uh, could you just demonstrate, not even demonstrate, but maybe even if I could try and you could point me in the right direction of what exactly So your feet now are probably shoulder width, so if you spread them yeah, okay, and if you go down into a crouch As he demonstrates, John spreads my legs apart, feet pointing sideways as I squat down It's kind of a cross between the splits and going to the toilet standing up And it's a matter of sliding your feet in a circle around it's not something that Western people do. The, the leg position is unnatural, and the muscles are not strong enough to hold the position at the beginning. So it takes a long time to get used to it. The first fight I did on that day, I thought my opponent was a university student, and the coach told me, oh, no, he's just 14, just turned 14. He was maybe 70, 80 kilos, maybe. But he was about the same in height. So I thought, you know, I was in university when he was born, so I'll go easy on him, I thought. And, you know, seconds later, as, uh, as I said at the time, the ceiling went around twice. <laughs> so I got a good view of the entire room as it was flying through the air. And so he just grabbed you and... He just did, yeah, he just grabbed me and he threw me completely. And it was like throwing a rag doll for him, there was no problem. So I, I ramped up the, 
enthusiasm and the adrenaline next time and I went full force at the same results you know? and same results continuously for the first four months I couldn't beat any of the junior high school students While the idea of a grown man wrestling a child barely in their teens might sound a little bit unfair, in sumo, technique can give a wrestler the edge over an opponent much bigger than him. And that's what makes sumo so exciting. Okay, so as with some sports, sometimes the opponents are not exactly evenly matched. And that's what exactly is happening here in front of us. We've got one guy in a purple mawashi, which is the belt that the sumo wrestlers wear around their waists. And then we've got a... uh, guy who's probably about twice his weight he's in black in the black mawashi and he is looks like he's going to be flung around like a small rag doll but the crowd will be entertained sometimes the training gets very very intense and you can't quit when you want to quit the person you're doing with or the higher person decides when you're finished so you reach what you think is your physical limit and in anything else you would just say that's it i'm done I have nothing left. I can't even stand up. My legs are jelly. But they won't let you. They keep you know, dragging you up by the hair or, you know, hitting you till you get up again and, you know, kicking you on the ground. Get up, get up, get up and screaming at you and everyone around you screaming. And it's a kind of madness, actually. You get this insane, ah, I'm just, and just charge forward, even though you nothing. You have nothing. You're not thinking about anything. And you just keep going, and maybe, you know, 30 minutes later, you're still going, and you, you thought you'd reached your limit, but you're still going. But afterwards, when, when you're walking home, or when you're going home, the birds are singing, the sky is blue, I'm alive, you know? It's, it's, it's that moment that gives it to me. That's, that's my best moments in summer. Those moments when I walk home on a Sunday afternoon, I know I'm going to go to bed at 2 p.m., that, that few minutes of walking home, what I did was like I really pushed beyond anything I thought I could ever do. That's the, the best moment in sumo for me. Today, John trains young Japanese children and teenagers at a sumo school here in Tokyo. He's just gotten married, and he'll also be representing Ireland at the Amateur World Championships in Hong Kong this November. This will be John's last time to compete at such tournaments. Over his 11 years in Japan, John has learned a lot through sumo. He's learned a lot about Japan, its culture and its people, but most importantly, he's learned a lot about himself. I've gotten a lot from Japan. I've learned a lot and I've grown up. Some people would dispute that, but I, I think I've grown up in Japan a lot and I've become maybe not the man I wanted to be, but the man that I am. So I feel like I... Oh, Japan a lot. There it goes. Oh, look, slaps to the face. Both grabbing each other's mawashi. Purple guy is pushing the black guy out. Dangling over the edge there for a second. Managed to battle his way back into the ring. The purple guy is standing his own ground, even though he is fighting a man about twice his weight. Oh, it looks like it could be the end for the purple guy. Oh, no, maybe not. Oh, <laughs> The purple guy is standing his own ground, but he fell. Unfortunately, he fell to the ground. But as with most things in uh, Japanese culture, it's really all about the glorious loser, more so than the winning. So he'll get a big cheer on his way out.
When I return from Matsue to Kobe, there's a call waiting for me with a job offer. It's only for one day a week, but it's local, it's a start, and most importantly, my students are a lot of fun. Yeah.